by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It is Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It's Drew along with Janet and Brian Olson from Wyoming Game and Fish Department. And uh, last week we talked how big of a time it is because... The license draws have happened, and we were waiting for the leftover draws to happen, and now we're to the point where we're just waiting for the uh, over-the-counters to to be available, and that'll happen soon. It will, and it is so crazy, Drew, because I know we've talked about this a lot, but, you know, it's fishing season. Why are we getting all these applications in? Why are we talking about hunting licenses? It still seems like it's months away, but hopefully you have um, been listening and you have gotten your applications in so that you can get out and enjoy a fall season of hunting. Now, Brian, the uh, rumor came up that we missed your birthday. And we just want to make sure that, you know, you have a birthday wish. So uh, you get an extra candle on the cake that uh, Janet's going to make you. That's right. It's pie. And anybody who wants uh, to possibly draw a tag can certainly bring Brian Olson a pie into the office. I guarantee you it will not help at all. I have tried for years. But anyway, um, happy birthday, Brian. Our apologies for missing that that I, fantastic day. I was going to so say that you remembered. Bribery doesn't get you very far when it comes to trying to get a, a license here. And we know that if you put in for a license in some areas, it's probably a good chance that you'll get it. But then, Brian, there's always the leftover pile. And on these leftover draws, you maybe not get the areas that you may want, and there's a reason that they're left over. Yeah, like most of those areas that are left over, a lot of them, not most of them, but a lot of them are left over because they're limited access. It's mostly private land and places in the state where it's there's not a lot of public land, and then what public land is available is really overcrowded. So it's some folks may be disappointed on you know what they're getting into. So it's a good thing to probably, you know, make sure you have access on private land. Uh, make sure you check our website to see if there's any walking areas or hunter management areas available or call the local game and fish office. And if you don't know, you know, where those licenses avail, what office they kind of relate to, um, just call your closest one and they can, they can help you get situated and get you to the right phone number. So you can talk to those people that are in the area and give you a better idea of why those licenses are left over. When you talk about, you know, access areas and things like that, we, we've talked a lot over the last couple of years about access and how important it is to make sure that you know where you're at and you know where you're going and you have permission. And we have the date coming up. Is it on the 13th, I believe, when you can start putting in the, the applications for those areas too? Yeah. So hunter management areas across the state, we have a lot. We have millions of acres of property available for hunter management areas, which means hunter management areas, um, you have to have a permission slip to actually hunt on those. Um, there's a lot of them that are unlimited, um, where they give out as many as, you know, um, that people want to apply for. But a lot of them also are um, limited um, as in a drawing for them. So that's really important. If you want to get into a drawing for a, some of these elite hunter management areas, which is limited on the number of licenses that they give out, um, July 13th is the date 
that you can apply for. Now, some of these drawings might not be until August, but at least getting that information in, and it's really, really easy. Um, it's really based on what you have in your hands as in what licenses you have are the only way that you can apply for these. Um, so, and it's all in the system. So if you go to our access page and go to public access and go to hunter management areas and then pick out the one that you're going to apply for, it just says apply for hunter management areas. And then you'll, it'll ask for your information, uh, like you would be applying for a license and you'd be, it link your, your personal profile in with that hunter management area. And it'll only show the ones that are available that you can actually apply for. So it makes it really simple um for those folks that are on there and you know what we have a lot of those phone calls that come into our office um about people asking about applying for a hunter management area and we help out folks on a daily basis it's it's gets pretty busy here in the next couple months for that because some folks are new to the system or just can't remember you know how that all works so if you get a license for let's say area 19 and you don't have access to some of the areas, I mean, did or did you kind of shoot yourself in the foot or are there just open public lands that you can go and, and hunt on to? Well, Area 19 is a good example. A lot of, there is a lot of public land in Area 19 to hunt, but basically the best hunting is on the Muddy Mountain Hunter Management Area where a, a whole bunch of landowners have actually um, are involved in the program where they allow the game and fish to uh, um, offer permission slips to those people that draw those licenses. And it allows you to access a lot of that public land a lot easier and also by vehicles. So it actually is one of those areas where, you know, it, it actually is good to know um, that that hunter management area is actually the primo spot to go hunting in area 19 for elk. And, you know, Drew, it kind of gets confusing at this point. I know we've talked a lot in the past about the difference between like a public access area. You keep hearing Brian talk about what we call an HMA. And so you'll see that abbreviation a lot on the website, Hunter Management Area. But we also manage WHMAs, which are Wildlife Habitat Management Areas. They're not the same program. And so make sure as you're going to access that you're looking up the right information and you're in the right spot because, you know, we make the joke, one is brown signs with white letters and the other is white signs with brown letters, which is actually true. But they are very different programs, different access for hunting, and we don't want you to get lost in the mix and, and think that you've done something that, um, you know, applied for something that maybe you haven't or if you can't find the right name, if you know about the Muddy Mountain Habitat or the Muddy Mountain Hunter Management Area, and you can't find it under the WHMAs, that might be why. And don't forget, even more confusing is walking areas. <clears throat> so all the hundreds and hundreds of walking areas that we have across the state, um, those are access areas that we also work with landowners to allow access on um, for the public to hunt on their property. And um, those you don't need permission for. So those are unlimited. Um, if there's a walking area available, you just have to make sure what species they're open for. And that information is available online or on your Onyx, on your phone. All that information's on there. And the boundaries are on your Onyx, which makes it really simple. So if this is new to you, it's really a good idea to give a call because, boy, it makes your hunting a lot better if you understand those two programs besides all the game and fish, um, WHMAs and other access areas that we have um, for hunting. So 
those new people for the state of Wyoming or non-residents that are familiar with it, man, just give us a call. We'd be glad to help you out. One other thing to remind folks is he just said um, a key word there, residents and non-residents. In recent discussion with folks, that is a very, very confusing issue. And I know that it doesn't matter at this point if you've applied for a license, you've applied as a resident or non-resident. But if you're confused about where you fall in that realm of been here a year, haven't been here a year, what do I apply for? Um, we also on our website have a um, location that gives you that information, but it can be confusing. So don't hesitate to holler on that one as well to make sure that you are purchasing the correct license, because just because you live here doesn't necessarily mean that you're a resident. Well, it's a good uh, transition here because we were talking about the leftover draw, which just happened. And, you know, you have the results by this point and you know what's left over. Uh, but then there's the difference between the leftovers over the counter and the general uh, hunting license. And how big of a difference is that? I guess it's everything is about as confusing as it can get. So they are different. And uh, so we just had the leftover draw. Um, the leftover list is out. Um, you can start applying for those and they call that first come first serve. So on the 12th of July, you can go online, go to your license selling agent, Game and Fish office and buy those licenses over the counter. And um, like I say, if you do it online, of course, we'll mail it to you. If you do it at your local license selling agent, they'll print it out for you right there. So that's the new thing right there. And then also, that's the same time that you can, as a resident, you can, uh, you can actually purchase your general deer and your general elk license as a resident. Non-residents cannot do that, but residents can. And uh, they go on sale um, that week of July 12 too. So you can come in and start buying those. Now you can buy those general licenses all the way up until the end of the hunting season. So there's no hurry on those. We don't run out of those. Um, and you can purchase those all the way up till the end of the hunting season this year. And the and general are just for residents and the leftover is non-resident and resident. And Correct. there are no general tags for antelope. So keep that in mind as well. Limited quota drawing only. But there are often leftover antelope tags because a lot of the antelope licenses are in private land on the eastern part of the state. So keeping that in mind, it may look like there are some opportunities, but just make sure you have secured access before you snatch some of those up. You know, it's kind of like going to a fast food restaurant and you have the choice of curly fries and regular fries. And if you choose the curly fries, you can only get the curly fries. But if you choose the regular fries, you only get the regular fries. But then you could get onion rings and really throw or it all crazy. Sweet potato fries. Don't forget the sweet <laughs> potato fries. We got to throw those in there. Coated, not coated, pepper, sugar, cinnamon, right? All the options. <laughs> it is. It can be very, very confusing and very difficult. And that's one of the reasons why we just want to remind folks that we're always here to answer questions. And um, it is it is unreal to kind of walk through the offices um, this time of year because, you know, everybody is on the phone pretty much six, seven, eight hours a day talking to folks. And so it's, it's, um, it can be very interesting to try and catch anybody because they are busy folks right now, but that doesn't mean, you know, that we can't make time. So please get in the queue and, and leave a message and everybody will get you a call back. You know, Brian, we were chatting a little bit before we went on about the uh, ability to transfer your license to someone else. And uh, that's a little confusing as well. But I know that there are a lot of organizations that are 
hunter, uh, veteran-based hunting organizations that people can donate their tags or license to those type of things like Hunting with Heroes or HD Outdoors or anything like that. Yeah, so there is a there's a program or regulation that allows um, um, folks to donate license to disabled veterans. And uh, the easiest way to do that is, of course, you can contact your local Game and Fish office. We can tell you the process to do that. Um, or you can just bring them by your office and we will mail them to Cheyenne. And then those licenses will be available for disabled vet uh, programs. And like say, like HD Outdoors or Hunting with Heroes are the most common ones here in Casper. But there's other ones in the state that actually have lists, lists of disabled veterans that they're trying to hook licenses up to. And also that also comes with access. So that, which is a really great program. And uh, like say, we just had the, the, the first drawing, you know, in June um, for our hunting licenses. And I just got my antelope license in the mail yesterday. So if I wanted to donate that, I could actually bring it to the game fish office, fill out a form, they mail it to Cheyenne, and then they will actually give that license to a disabled vet who's actually hooked up with one of those programs um, that has access for them to go hunting. Is there a cutoff date for that to actually be available to vets? Yeah. So the cutoff date is before the hunting season starts. So the sooner you get it, the better. So like I say, if, yeah, I know a lot of people are starting to get licenses in the mail now. I think Antelope obviously is first. Um, if they would like to donate donate that, let's get it done now. Don't wait until the season starts. So, you know, August 15th, most seasons start August 15th for Antelope. So let's get the for archery. So let's get those done right away. And uh, we get them sent down to Cheyenne and we can get those in the hands of uh, disabled vets that uh, that really want to do some hunting in Wyoming. Awesome. Another great thing that Wyoming does is uh, takes care of all the veterans that are out there. So if you have any questions, wgfd.wild.gov, give them a call. Uh, you know, talking to a person sometimes is a little easier and you get through and, and get all the information. So, all right. Well, we're all excited to get out into the field. And don't forget, the 12th is the, uh, the day you can start getting the uh, first come, first serve and the general. And then the 13th is when you can start applying and registering for the access program so we're uh, we're getting to that point it's hard to believe it's wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors back in action here on the program and of course wyoming game and fish department a huge part of this show and one of the main reasons i wanted to start it because i wanted to make sure that everybody was on the same page when it came to regulations and uh, and outdoor fun that we can have here in in Wyoming and Janet and Matt back with us again this week and this time of year fishing is really popular matter of fact I've seen so many people out on the the river I've seen there's uh fishing tournaments going on and there's even a, a walleye uh, league that's happening every Wednesday night uh, around the county so uh Janet there's just lots to do fishing wise right now and People like to eat that fish, too. Exactly. More importantly, there's a lot of smokers going this time of year, a lot of fry daddies. We're all trying to get our, our favorite uh, species in as, as we move through the summer. And that's one of the great things about Wyoming is, is we have such a diversity of fish, and, and it provides lots of opportunity to try dis- different recipes. So I've never, I've never been a huge fish eater until I moved here and walleye was the fish. I believe even before I had walleye, you and Matt and the whole gang over there said, 
go get a walleye and, and you'll love it. And that's what's happened to me here. Is that the best eating fish in Wyoming? Well, that is such a question that who can answer that, you know, and, and it just depends. Um, it is absolutely the favorite fish of a lot of people, but so are trout. So are panfish. It just depends on, you know, if you're a catfish lover or not. So, so that is not a question that we can answer. But one thing that we can talk about is a little bit about um, the mercury that is in all fish um, across the world, whether, you know, you're looking at buying um, fish from the, the grocery store or whether you're getting it out of waters. Um, the Wyoming Department of Health has recently put out new fish consumption um, advisories, and we just want to make sure people is aware are aware of those. What are some of those advisories? What are, what are things people need to look for? Well, you know, people can definitely just go online, either the Wyoming Department of Health or we also have them on the Game and Fish website. And it talks a little bit about how much mercury is good to consume. And of course, all of that is a personal choice. And, and so we're not here to necessarily talk about that. And we're not necessarily here since we are not human doctors to talk about um, what mercury does or anything for the humans. But we can certainly talk about why fish in Wyoming have mercury. And where where does that mercury come from in the in the fish, Matt? So there's a lot of uh, mercury just kind of naturally occurring in the environment. There's certain rock formations that that are that are higher in mercury than others, and as they weather and erode away, that mercury ends up in the water. But I think the vast majority of mercury happens through atmospheric deposition. So it it settles out with precipitation and ends up in the water bodies where uh, there's bacteria that convert the elemental mercury into what's called methyl mercury, which becomes able to be absorbed um, into your body and, and can certainly cause some health problems. And um, so it's not like there's, you know, it's not a, a source of pollution where, you know, and you think of Wyoming, it's really pristine. And so, you know, you, you could go up into the Alpine lakes and the Bighorn or Wind River Mountains, and there's still going to be methylmercury present because of the atmospheric deposition. So um, it is widespread. It's everywhere um, on the planet. And certain fish species tend to accumulate more than other fish species. And so that's where you get into the fish consumption guidelines, and they talk about different types of species and sizes and and what to what's okay to eat and what you should be a little more careful with. And in our area, some of the popular fish are really the ones that are on the, the better side of the, the list, right? Well, the better is a, a matter of opinion, obviously. <laughs> but um, yeah, so when the methylmercury enters the food chain um, is, you know, it, it ends up in, and algae and then things that eat algae get a little bit of mercury and then things that eat minnows get a little bit more and so on and so forth. And so when you think about like a trout, which pr primarily eats insects, zooplankton, things like that, they tend to be on the lower end. And then when you get up into the bigger predators like northern pike, walleye, catfish, um, they tend to be on the higher level. And there's a lot of other things that factor in in terms of how fast the fish grows um and exactly what it's eating and and so places like seminole reservoir for instance where the walleye grow very very slow the walleye from seminole has 
a higher level of mercury than a walleye from Glendo that grows very, very fast. So the, the faster the fish grows, the less mercury it has. Yes. Weird how science works. <laughs> <laughs> Bioaccumulation, for sure. And, you know, it's, it's really a, a thing that Game and Fish really works in conjunction with the Wyoming Department of Health. As we are doing a lot of our sampling across the state, we do collect, you know, fish for them to monitor for the mercury. So we have just released the most up-to-date information that we have. And we have, we do this, um, you know, quite often. And so this isn't a big alarm um, that we, we're putting out. This isn't something that, you know, is people need to panic about. We just want people to know that it's out there. And we're super excited that, that the last um, round of science has just come out and we want people to know that it's out there. Uh, of course, you can go wgfd.wild.gov to find out exactly all the information. And and when this report comes out, um, does it basically just tell people, okay, here's the fish and here's the, the levels that more than likely you're going to get? Yes, it is exactly what it tells you. And you can also find this information in our fishing regulations. It's been in our fishing regulations yearly for many years now. So, you know, folks are probably aware of it and they, they probably review it and, and can make their choices themselves. But it's out there and we want people to read it. Again, no, no fear, because this is not a new discovery. It's always been here. Uh, it's just an updated list. Exactly. Awesome. Janet, Matt, thank you guys. Thanks, Drew, and enjoy your fish fry. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. It's a beautiful day at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And, Brian, it's even better now that we're past the second leftover draw. And you got a, another tag. Yep, got the additional cow-calf tag for the same area that I drew, so that's going to be uh, entertaining. So this week has been kind of an interesting week. I went out and I shot my my rifle for the first time, and, uh, you know, I think I'm going to have to bring it into you guys and make sure that my scope is all, uh, you know, kosher, because I think it was shooting a little off. <laughs> Could be the shooter, but... Well, but. you know, I mean, I'm not going to say anything, but... <laughs> yeah, you know, this is, a, this is a time of year where, you know, it's good to at least, you know, get out there and early enough where you can get it sighted in, and if... Um, you know, if it's not shooting quite right, we can take a look at whether the scope, you know, is mounted properly, it's torqued properly. Um, we can bore sight it. We can level the reticles for you. Uh, now's the time to kind of get that stuff done. Or I could throw it in the trash because it's junk and get a brand new one here. I think your rifle's just fine, but maybe we can put some new optics on it. Yeah. Uh, so there are other things that, that people can do in this time of year to kind of get prepared. You know, we talk a lot about boots. If you're going to be on long hikes deep in, you got to start breaking them in now. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a good time. You know, the weather uh, is going to start clearing up for us eventually here where we can go uh, <laughs> do some hiking. And, you know, maybe we're just scouting the area or maybe we're just going for the hike to break in those boots. But, um, you know, put some miles on those boots before your hunting trip, for sure. When you're going out, you're, you're hiking around, you're kind of glassing things. I mean, everybody's getting chomping in the bit now because the draws have happened and uh, there are even people getting some of their licenses in the mail and and you go out and you try to you know scope around where you're going to be hunting and you got to have the right equipment for that too yeah you know uh, we've got a fully staffed you know archery and and firearms counter out here and these guys are willing to get you set up you know we're seeing a lot of uh, new bow purchases right now the hoyts and the matthews are, are selling really well 
and then just new equipment in terms of uh, new rust, you know, uh, new optics, whatever the case is. Uh, now's the time to kind of get that stuff on and, and get practiced up with it. So, you know, we're excited about the hunting season, but, you know, fishing season is prime right now. And you've been uh, fishing quite a bit down at Glendo. You've had some pretty good luck there lately. Yeah, it's been, it's uh, fishing around Casper, and, I mean, it's just been great. Um, you know, a lot of guys, I, I saw... Uh, a person caught a 30, 32 inch walleye out of Alcova. So wow. they do still exist. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the fishing at Pathfinder, uh, guys are catching a lot of fish, you know, with, uh, you know, the walleye league, there's a lot of fish coming in on, on, on those evening leagues. Uh, and then of course, Glendo's still producing some great quality fish. So, well, hopefully it continues like this, you know, cause you got Seminole coming up in a couple weeks. For the uh, the Wyoming Walleye Stampede, yeah, next weekend the Seminole Tournament. Our deadline for entries on that is uh, Wednesday night. Um, the fishing uh, been a little hit or miss for guys down there. I think uh, a lot of guys haven't seen the water levels that high for quite some time, and now they're starting to drop it a little bit. So you know those fish patterns are going to be a little bit different than what they've seen in the previous years. Um, but we know there's plenty of fish in there. That's a big reservoir. It's got lots of water and uh, lots of fish. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, who figures it out and uh, puts the pattern together for those big fish. But um, it's it's you know we're just in the just really kind of the beginning middle of the fishing season. It's kind of it's interesting because if you think back to March and April when we were really getting forward and looking ahead to the fishing season, and then you know. The, the method this year has kind of been different because it's really been a lot cooler and a lot wetter than it's been for a long time. So have you really changed your plan that you would have normally uh, been going at this time of year? You know, just the, the amount of water and the amount of rain we've gotten, you know, so a lot of the creeks have kind of muddied up the streams and they're muddying up the tail, you know, the where the water's coming in on these reservoirs so you know last couple of years as an example like elkhorn uh, bay at, at glendo had just a ton of pressure and then there's a lot of fish up in that area uh, but this year not so much i mean it's been really muddy and although there might still be fish in there uh, there's not as many and there's definitely not as many people fishing it so um, and the same thing on the river systems you know we talked to a lot of the fly fishing guides and uh, the lower parts of Casper or, or through through Casper have just been too muddy with all the different tributaries that are just you know creeks and stuff that are pumping in all this muddy water so the upper part of Gray Reef has just been just pounded with fishermen um, they're still catching fish but you're just dealing with a little more traffic so it's kind of interesting where the reservoir fishermen that are going for walleye are having great success and it almost seems easy sometimes and then on the river system they're they're working hard to get there well the weather hasn't done anybody any 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 you know favors this year for sure and you know fish are still there but you know when you've got muddy water and you're a fly fisherman you're, you're running a you know an uh, artificial lure doesn't put out the scent that a worm would you know so typically in dirty water i mean if i'm running a worm i'm pretty successful because the fish has still got they can go off a scent and they can find your bait um, but when you're just throwing a fly out there that has no scent and it's artificial only uh, it makes it a little more challenging for those guys 
Now, if someone is, you know, thinking about that part of it, you know, fly fishing can be a difficult thing in times like this, but making that transition to maybe a, a fly cast or, you know, a casting rod, you know? Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, there's still fish to be had, you know, but, but, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the tourism and a lot of the people that are fishing the, the guide services the, off the plat system, and, you know, they, they want, they want to catch a fish on a fly rod. So, um, they don't necessarily want to do a spinning rod presentation with a Panther Martin or a MEPS, right? Um, but for the average Joe that's just going out to the river and wanting to th- catch fish, I mean, those other presentations are going to work just fine. So get out here and check them out, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. Obviously, hunting, fishing, optics, whatever you need. And, you know, you start thinking about things like the GPS systems, and you guys carry uh, all of that stuff, too. Safety is really important. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of a lot of guys coming in and uh, purchasing a lot of optics, especially like spotting scopes right now, because they're you know maybe they drew a bighorn sheep tag or maybe they're just you know got an elk tag and they're trying to you know either prepare for the season or they want to do a little scouting. Um, you know the on on the nice part is is if you know you're trying to make a larger purchase and maybe you're going to spend a thousand dollars on a spotting scope. But uh, you, you want to put it on layaway, we have that option. So that'll still give you time before hunting season gets here to throw 100 bucks a week or whatever it is uh, to maybe ease the pocketbook a little bit. Get out here, check them out, Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with Drew Kirby. If you have a question, want to make a comment, or have an idea for a show topic, message us on the My Country mobile app. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors.